Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by The Harrier. And if you're looking for any awesome graphic tees, posters, anything really track related, uh, go check out The Harrier. It's linked in my Instagram bio, and if you use code TWN at checkout, you can actually get 20% off. Uh, also help support the show, uh, so we'd definitely love to do that if you see anything that you like. Got a lot of new t-shirts and everything that's on there, so take a look and, and see something that you're looking for. Um, yeah, and so today we want to get into a lot of stuff that's been going on recently in track and field. Uh, oh yeah, also make sure you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review, helps us know that you're enjoying the show and, and all the content we got going on there. Uh, now we can get into today's episode of, of Track World News. So uh, we had a lot of things going on. Uh, obviously we had Diamond League Final that happened in the middle of the week last week uh, so that we weren't able to, to cover. And then we've also had a lot of interesting news happen since then. And so uh, I want to start with something that just broke yesterday, uh, and that is uh, star middle distance runner, freshman phenom out of Oregon, Bowerman finalist uh, Cole Hawker. He has officially decided he is foregoing the rest of his college eligibility and is going to be running professionally for Nike. And uh, this doesn't really surprise me at all. Uh, the only thing that surprises me about this decision is the timing of it. Because if he knew he was going pro from, you know, ever since he was running amazing times at the trials and ever since he was the only American to make the finals in the 1500, why is he deciding on September 13th that he's going to turn professional? Unless it was a very, very late decision. Like, unless there was a lot of thinking and convincing to be done up until this time, why is it done so late? Because he messed out on what could have been, you know, a, a good amount of money if he decided to do this before the trials and then he could have been making money from the Olympic trials as well as the Olympics. So I'm wondering what's going on just based off the timing of it. But otherwise, it's it's no real surprise. He, he's one of the big names in, in track and field right now. You know, there, there's Cole Hawker, a thing Mo. Uh, those are the two, two of the bigger names in college track and field this year. And of course, both of them turning professional after their freshman year is no real surprise. But a thing Mo, she did it way early on in the season before the trials. The trials, while Cole Hawker didn't do it until, I mean, they, Oregon is about to run their first uh, cross-country meet, and I bet some people probably thought he might have been on the team. So it's just interesting on the time. Uh, he signed with Flynn Sports, some of their notable runners, Josh Kerr, uh, Anthony Zambrano, as well as Ellie Purrier, St. Pierre. So he's going to be joining their team. I'm guessing he's probably going to be staying in Oregon uh, running and training. Um, obviously going to Nike, not too surprised, Nike huge with Oregon. And so, uh, it, it'll be exciting to see how his career is going to shape up. Uh, once again, another star runner is, is turning professional after their freshman year. This is going to be thinking, I mean, who's going to be the standout freshman from this upcoming track and field season that's going to turn pro. Obviously, there's going to be people that are sophomores, juniors, that have extra years of eligibility that will turn professional early. Uh, you, you see that with uh, Javon Harrison this year, as well as um, Terrence Laird this year, who uh, Tar Davis, athletes that had eligibility but decided to forego it. 
But going as a freshman, I feel, is a little different because you're 18 years old, 19 years old, and turning professional. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big thing. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what athletes turn pro out of college their freshman year because I, I think there's some really good sprinters as well as there's some, some good distance runners as well uh, in this freshman class. Uh, next, want to stay on the Team USA side of things. We have Valerie Allman, uh, who is the discus thrower. She actually ended up throwing the American record. It was a throw of 71.16 meters. She is now in the top 20 all-time. And so you're saying, Colin, top 20 all-time. It's not really that impressive. I mean, it's very impressive, obviously, but it's not like the, you know, it's not like a, a top three or, or a world record. It's why, why is that so impressive? Well, since 1993, the only athlete to actually throw within the top 20 was Sandra Perkovic, Perkovic who is the all-time, one of the all-time best discus throwers of all time. Of all time. Uh, she was a, what, two-time Olympic champion in, the, in 2016-2012. Did she win? 20? No, she didn't, obviously, because Valerie Allman did. Um, but yeah, two-time champion. Huge name, uh, and so for her to crack into that top 20, very, very impressive. Uh, this year has been her breakout year, you could definitely say. Uh, Olympic champion, Diamond League champion, world leader, as well as the American record. So she has been on a tear ever since really the Olympic trials when she threw 70 meters for the first time. Uh, and then this is now her second time doing that by throwing 71 meters, so a full meter farther than what she did earlier. Uh, she's just really been tearing it up. If you look at her progression, she's been pretty steady with how she's been going. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see when is she going to be able to break that 72 meter mark because uh, she can definitely do it. I mean, she has just been progressing at a very steady pace and I see that she'll be able to break that mark in, in sooner rather than later. Uh, next, want to do a little review from the Diamond League final. So uh, by this point, most of you, if not all of you, probably saw the results, but obviously we do our episodes on Tuesdays and then Saturdays for the interview. Um, if Watch out. We have a couple good interviews coming up in the next few weeks, so definitely be looking out for those ones. But um, I, So something I didn't like about this Diamond League final is why is this being held in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, on what was it, like a Wednesday? It was, what, a Wednesday, Thursday, I think it was? Like, we're not helping ourselves out in track and field. Like, yes, I know that this meet was being held in another country that has, you know, where this was the nighttime for them, but why don't we have this meet, which is, which is going to be the... You know, Diamond League final, it's supposed to be one of the biggest meets. Why are we holding it then in the middle of the week? Why wasn't this a Saturday or a Sunday meet? Why was this at a point where a lot of people are at work and can't watch it? Uh, doesn't make sense, once again, but what can you do? So, want to go over some of the performances that stuck out for me. I have one, two, three, four, five performances that really stuck out for me. Uh, and we will go over them right here. So, uh, Christine Boma, U20 world record in running a time of 21.78 in the 200. She is showing that it doesn't matter that she's only been doing this 200-meter uh, thing for, what is it, a year now? Barely. She's still running top-tier times. Now, to show you what her progression is, she was a 400-meter runner up until this year when they decided, uh, no, you, you're, you 
the, your testosterone levels are, are too high and, and you're not, even though they're not, you know, it's her, the way that she is naturally as a woman is not allowed. Um, you have to go down to the 200. So last year in 2020, when she, she only ran one 200, she ran a time of 25.05. And then now she just ran a time of 21.78. That is nearly a four second difference that she shaved off over the course of a year. Now, obviously she wasn't focusing on the 200. We know that, we understand that. But nearly a four second personal best when you're running times that are very competitive and impressive in the 400 as well is wild. So she has just been on an absolute tear ever since the Olympics, uh, came second in the Olympics, wins Diamond League here. She's one of the top sprinters. You know, she's going to be going up against Gabby Thomas, uh, Elaine Thompson, hurrah, you know, really battling, I think, against those two for the final um, in 2022. I mean, that's what it was for the Olympics. I don't see it being much different for the world championships. So it's going to be very interesting. I mean, uh, I'll be having my 2024 way too early predictions and She's going to be up there. Uh, she is definitely going to be up there. Uh, next thing that wanted to go over, uh, that's Fred Curley winning the 100 in a time of 9.87. And so if you actually take a look at the race, what was most exciting or interesting for me is the way that it happened. So he and uh, Andre de Grasse were actually behind um, Ronnie Baker by maybe a half a step going into the first 55 meters of the race. So DeGrasse was in, was like neck and neck with Fred Curley. Ronnie Baker had the clear lead 55, 60 meters into the race. And then as it progresses, Fred Curley just walks him down. <laughs> like it does, like there aren't, you can't really get hawked when it comes to a 100 meter open, but dang, it was as close as you can get. And Curly walks him down in a time of 987. What I think is the most funny is that if you remember, and I know Fred Curly remembers, and if you're listening, I, then Fred, I know, hey, Fred, how you doing, first of all? Uh, what was most interesting is that, what, 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 about two months ago, when Ronnie Baker was asked in an interview, um, what do you think of Fred Curly running the 100 now? And Curly, or not Curly, Ronnie Baker was like, do you want to hear what I really got to say? And like, nah, just kidding. And then goes over to kind of, you know, half-heartedly, essentially what he was saying is, um, if you read between the lines, like he thinks it's a bad idea. Like he was trying to say some, you know, oh yeah, it's really hard. You don't have a lot of room for mistakes. We'll see how he does, but I'm focused on me. When we all know what he was trying to say, he was trying to say he thinks it's a bad idea. And then ever since he said that, it's kind of like the Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. And Curly has just been beating him at every single turn that is important. The Olympics beats him. Uh, what, the Diamond League final beats him here. Like, he's been beating him in all the races that are important. The only one that he didn't win, really, uh, of any importance was the Olympic trials, but he made the team, so it didn't matter. Uh, and it's just very interesting to see how that happens. I guarantee you that Fred watched that interview and listened to it and was like, okay, right, we'll see how it goes. Um, but very interesting. DeGrasse came second, uh, Curly wins, and then Ronnie Baker in third place. Uh, in the 200, so uh, Kenny Bednarik won. Uh, those, were, uh, those were actually my picks for the one and the two. Uh, I picked, I picked uh, Curly for the one, Kenny Bednarik for the two. Um, 
for a few reasons. Benaric, he's just been on a really consistent tear recently. Like I've been saying tear probably a million times. I'm sure you could probably peg it as at, at this moment, but he's been running extraordinarily consistent consistently. And that's the name of the game when it comes to track and field, you can't just have one really good race. You got to have a string of good races. And he created history by having 11 sub 22nd, 200 meter races that were win legal in one season. I mean, there's a lot of people that are on the professional circuit that never run sub two sub 20 11 times in their entire career and he did that in just one season so extremely awesome for him he has the world leading time uh and also silver at the olympics and also uh one reason another reason i didn't have uh curly or degrasse winning and i had kenny benaric winning uh curly and degrasse were coming off of that 100 where it's like yeah it's just a 100 but at at the end of the day you know once you're racing against these top level professionals, every little bit of energy counts. And so Kenny Bignaric being fresh is always going to help, even though um, it was just a 100 that Curly and, and DeGrasse had ran a, a few uh, hours earlier. Uh, next for my third impressive uh, time or third impressive, I guess you could say, event that we saw, uh, Yumar Rojas winning the triple jump with a meeting record distance of 15.48 meters. Uh, she's just been absolutely dominating when it comes to the triple jump. Like there's really no one even in the same stratosphere as her. Like she's, she's going up against the meter stick or the, the sand pit or whatever you want to call it. Like there is no one really close to, to beating her. And yeah, she just keeps, keeps dominating. I love her personality. If, if you see after the diamond league final, so something that the diamond league final did was they have all the winners going, uh, like on this one stage thing in the middle of the track. And then they have photos and celebrating. And then they all drive around the track in like, you know, Mercedes or whatever it is. And, uh, you see Rojas is just super excited to be there jumping around, like having a great time. And so it's cool seeing a little bit of their personalities. You, you, you get to see the athletes that are, you know, get, get super pumped and are, are videotaping everything. And then you see other athletes that are just kind of standing there not, not doing much like, man, I'm just trying to get back to my hotel room. Can I go? <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting seeing those, those personalities of, of the athletes there. But, uh, yeah, Rojas has been just completely dominating. Um, she's been dominating a lot like this fourth event. There we go. Ryan Krauser, who also, uh, won in diamond league. Oh, sorry about that. Got something caught in my teeth. Uh, also won in diamond league, uh, for the shot put. This is his first diamond league victory, which is crazy to think that he has not won a diamond league, even though he has had the most consistent season of anyone right now. Uh, so to give you a little, uh, idea of what happens or, or how Ryan Krauser's year has gone. And this is why I think Ryan Krauser has had the most perfect year of, of anyone really. So um, first he has the world record for both indoor and outdoor, which is just on its own already the best. This is only from this year. Uh, he's also the Olympic champion. He's the diamond league champion and he's won 14. Yeah. 14 straight uh, competitions and he has the most throws over 22 meters and the most throws over 23 meters this guy is just dominating every meet that he he, he can go to there's really no no one that can beat him uh, and if we're going past this year he's also had 25 straight victories and he's also the two-time 
the two-time Olympic champion from 2016. And so he's just dominating every single event. It's not even close. Um, I'm going to be coming out with power rankings of, you know, how the season ended, who had the best years, all that type of stuff. And he's going to be a name you're probably going to be seeing pretty, pretty early on. Uh, next little review of how the diamond league went. So we had for team USA, we had 15 athletes clinch spots for worlds. And so what does that mean? And what's going on? Those are two valid questions that I had no idea about what this was before this happened. So, uh, the way that the world athletics does things is that the, if you're either a world, uh, champion from the previous worlds, or you win the diamond league final, uh, you're able to be, um, clinched into the world championships for 2022. And so then your country is able to have up to four people competing in that event, uh, instead of just the normal three. And so the way that it works is they only take one of the uh, things. So you can't have two people clinch. So for example, in the 100, Christian Coleman won the world championships in 2019. And then here in the Diamond League final, you had Fred Curley win. Uh, they're going to take that Christian Coleman's time because it's the world champion. Uh, they could select, but you know they're, they're going to pick the world champion from before. So um, in situations like that, the guy from 2019 gets to go, which is a little strange to me because it's like, wouldn't you want to have the guy that won the most recent major over the one that happened, what, two years ago, three, three years ago, uh, whatever. Uh, so um, these are the athletes that for Team USA have already qualified for the world championships. Uh, so for the men, we have Coleman, Lyles, Cherry, Brazier, Holloway, Kendricks, Taylor, and Kovacs. So um, this is this means a lot, especially for these two athletes, uh, Christian Coleman and uh, Christian Taylor, two Christians actually, um, because obviously Coleman, he wasn't able to compete in this season due to suspension uh, that he had. And so now coming right off of that in 2022, he knows that he's already qualified. So it's going to be good for him, even though he's been off the track for so long, it's going to be good for him to come back. And then with Christian Taylor, it's a, it's a big thing for him because he's coming off of an injury. He wasn't able to really compete at all this year because uh, he had an Achilles injury. And so now being uh, granted that championship and being able to compete is going to be huge for him. So hopefully he'll be all ready for 2022. Uh, I know that he's been working on things uh, really hard to try to come back. Uh, so I'm, hope, I'm very hopeful that he'll be able to, to be back in time for that. Uh, then on the women's side, we had Hayes, uh, Nia Ali, Muhammad, Wen, Yuen, Alman, Price, and then Kendall Williams. And so that is what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight for the men. And then what? Six, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, no, seven. Sorry, my math's not great. Seven for the women. Um, Kendall Williams being the only multi-athlete that qualified. Um, Allman, obviously the, the Olympic champ there, Muhammad, the former world record holder in the, uh, 400 hurdles. So, um, it's going to be very exciting. Um, looking forward to seeing worlds 2022 and, um, yes, we already have 15 athletes that are on the team. Congrats to them. Uh, should be a good one. And then by the time you're listening to this, uh, depending on when you're, you're listening to it, this race has either already happened, uh, or is about to happen. So in, Bellonzas, I believe Switzerland, uh, there's going to be a track 
track meet there. Uh, really two races that I'm looking forward to. Uh, they're the men and the women's 100. Uh, this is the last race for many people of the season and actually could be the last race of someone's career. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, men's 100, we have the highlighted by Curly, DeGrasse, and Gatlin. And then the women's 100 highlighted by Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. So um, for the men, this is going to be a, a really good 100. Um, like when I said, it's going to be highlighted by someone that could be their last race. It's Justin Gatlin. Um, he announced that this could potentially be his last race. Uh, we talked about it in, I believe, last week's episode. And so this could be the last time we see Justin Gatlin. Uh, he is apparently put in for another race, um, like in an, like, what is it? Like Doha or, or something else. Like apparently his name is there for this, for another race, but he announced that this was going to be his, his last one potentially. And so make sure you're tuning in. This could be some crazy history. We've seen a guy who's had the, like probably the longest career of any sprinter that I can think of. Like he's been running professionally longer than Christine Mbomba has been alive, which is wild. Like his professional career, not like his entire, like just his running, his professional career has been longer than the, uh, the diamond league champion has been alive. Wild. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Uh, and so he's going to be running up against Curly and DeGrasse. Uh, should be very exciting to see who wins that. My, I think it's going to be Curly. He's been super consistent, but also DeGrasse has also been consistent. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a winning time, depending on the weather and the wind. Uh, let's just say there is the weather's fine and the wind is zero. Uh, I'm going to go with a winning time for Fred Curley of 9.83. Uh, and then we're going to have DeGrasse coming in second with a time of 9.89. That's going to be my prediction. Uh, if I got that exactly right, you will be seeing this clip on Instagram. So hello, Instagram. I got it right. Boom. Awesome. Let's see. Uh, now for the women really highlighted by Shelly Ann Fraser price. Um, so she did not compete at the diamond league final. Uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, she's dodging Elaine, uh, Thompson, hurrah. Probably not. She really isn't. Um, what it most likely is, is that these athletes have appearance fees and the diamond league could not afford to have both of these athletes because, Elaine Thompson Ra obviously is going to have a huge uh, going for rate, and Shelly Ann Fraser Price is probably also going to have a very high rate, and so that's why you didn't see them. Uh, the only reason you saw saw them at the pre classic is because they're both Nike athletes and they have to run, and then the Olympics is because it's the Olympics and you don't get paid appearance fees for the Olympics. So um, we're probably not going to see a ton of Elaine Thompson Ra or Shelly Ann Fraser Price. Uh, because of, you know, just the, the price of, of getting these athletes to run. So uh, this is going to be exciting because it's going to be like her last race, really going for that record, apparently. Like, she's been voicing that she's making a, you know, a last world record push for this season. She's not going to be done yet, but for this season, uh, going for a time of, what, in the 10 fours. Uh, my bet, she runs a 10-5-1, uh, and we'll see how that ends up doing. So uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Track World News. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about any of the topics that we went over, please let me know uh, over on Instagram, or you can actually leave me a little voice message uh, if you're listening. Well, that's only on, on Anchor, but uh, if you go into the description, you can leave me a little voice message and, and tell me what I got right or wrong. Um, but 
yeah, I uh, hope that you enjoyed. Uh, before you go, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. really helps us know that you're enjoying the content and, um, and everything we got going on. My name is Colin Waitsman. Have a good one and peace.